excited to welcome John. Can we give it up for John, everybody? Yes, church. This is how we do it. Uh, this is John's debut preach at the six. We're really excited. He smashed it this morning. Uh, we like look at the youth in the onesies. This is yeah, wonderful. I'm so impressed, um, honestly. Can I ask a favour of you guys? I promise we will get the best out of John if we shout him on. If he says something that's good, can we encourage him? If he says something that's bad, we can boo, he can deal with that. Uh, but can, can we do our absolute best to shout John on and can we get off him one more time? Here is John, everybody. I feel like with one of these mics, I'm in like S Club 7, if anyone. I know that probably dates me quite a lot, but... Uh... <laughs> Yes, Georgia. Um, hello, everyone. My name is John. Uh, it's fantastic to be in church this evening. Um, I have been coming to St. Matt's for about a year and a half. I've loved it. I felt really at home here. Uh, I help out with the youth team. Um, you may have noticed some people at the front in onesies that might have been mentioned. Uh, they're doing that to shout me on, which is fantastic. I also help lead a small group with some fantastic people. Yeah. Uh, and day to day, I work as a student up at the university. Um, I like to think that I'm not a nerd, but um, in reality, I study physics. And uh, I'll be honest, I quite enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so today, this evening, we are going through our series on Philippians in church. Uh, we've been going through this series, which we called Live Different. Um, and two weeks ago, Jess kicked us off with Philippians 1. We were talking all about the external pressures on the church and the dangers that that brought about. But today we're looking at Philippians 2, which talks all about humility. When you hear the word humility, what do you think of? You might think of a humble brag or, uh, I don't know, like uh, someone humbling you. But um, I wasn't really sure what the definition was, uh, so I had to Google it, because it's one of those words that you can kind of use in a sentence, but you probably couldn't quote the sort of dictionary word for. Uh, and one thing I found that was super helpful was freedom from pride. Fake humility is so prevalent nowadays in life and on social media. There's this American version of Deliveroo you guys might have heard of called DoorDash, and they spent five and a half million dollars advertising that they'd given a million dollars to charity. They, uh, we recognize humility as a good thing and we don't know how to achieve it. Kendrick Lamar wrote an album called Humble and I confess I loved it, but uh, the entire purpose of the album was to make money. I'm here tonight to tell you that true humility really matters. If you only hear one thing tonight, remember this. Humility is the unique thing that sets Christians apart, the love that can only be found in Jesus. Now, this is church, so we're not just taking our teachings from me, so whip out your Bibles. I'm assuming in this service, everyone's going to be on the phones and no papers, but um, uh, we're in Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 to 11, so, and they also appear on the screens um, behind me. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to the interest, sorry, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the very same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When, uh, when I first read this passage that Ed set me, I thought, oh, that sounds great. I'm super humble. Uh, I thought I didn't need to hear this. That's, that's great. I've, I've done it. I, I consider myself a good person. I, I do good things. And yet somehow I had completely missed the point. I want to tell you tonight that true humility changes how we interact with each other. To value others above yourself truly is a difficult and conscious decision. Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Paul wants this church to succeed and in chapter one he's talked about the internal pressures on the church, sorry, the external pressures on the church. But in chapter two he starts talking about the internal pressure on the church and how that builds up by not being a unified church. When I think of unity, I think of one group of people with a shared collective goal, maybe from diverse experiences from all walks of life, but gathered together for one purpose. Paul says true unity is stronger than that. We should not just be like-minded, but be of one mind and of one spirit. In being united with Christ, we must be like-minded with Christ, have the same love as Christ and be in one spirit and one purpose as Christ. We're currently in the building of St. Matt's, but I firmly believe that there is one church. There is one church in Exeter. What unites us is not some man-made purpose, but Christ. When I think about humility, I don't think about obedience. I think maybe about saying thank you or about not boasting about my strengths, but I don't think about submitting. Sometimes love is about submission. Whether that means doing the washing up or going to that new restaurant that you don't really like the sound of but your friend really wants to go. Jesus became obedient to death. Just take a second to think about that. Not just death, but the most humiliating and excruciating death. We even get the word excruciating from the word crucifixion. Jesus became obedient for love. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says of love that it is not self-seeking. Self-centeredness has no place in the body of Jesus. If we are to look out for the interests of others, then we must lay our lives, sorry, then we must love people like Jesus did. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has any material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how then can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 13 to 16. I think there's this great lie that our culture tells us that love is this feeling. To some extent it is, but love is an action, a doing word. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia series, uh, was also a great Christian author, and he said this, love as distinct from being in love is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit. To love someone is difficult, right? But when we really do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, our relationships are truly transformed. We all know someone who's a bit difficult to love, don't we? We have friends, family, people we work with. Some are a lot easier to to love than others. But we should seek to love them the same way that we were loved first. One of my favorite little phrases in the Bible is Jesus looked at him and loved him. How much more should we look to those around us and love them too? To value others above yourselves is to consider their needs above our own needs. And there's a, there's a real subtlety that I don't want you to miss here. The idea is not just to treat people as more important than you, but to truly consider them more important than us. If every person in the church truly believed us, then we would have this society where no one looks down on each other. Everyone's needs are met. And the church becomes this beacon of hope in what is a very scary place right now. Paul writes that it is more important for the needs of others to be met than your own needs. Sometimes selfishly, I think, oh, I wanna be the one to bring my friends to Christ. I wanna be the one who tells my friends about Jesus and they become a Christian because of my actions. But what I get wrong is that it's not about me at all. It's about whether they know Jesus and if I can be a small part of that, then that's fantastic. But if not, then that's still great anyway. Fundamentally, it is not about me. If we think about our work, our goal should not just be to elevate ourselves, but to elevate our boss, to elevate our colleagues and even those below us. Who in our lives are we considering as more important than us? It's so easy to love those who love you. But what about that person at work who who constantly messes up and you have to deal with it? How much more do they need Jesus? It's easy to say, I love you to the people who say, I love you back. But what about those people that just for whatever reason just don't like you? Jesus came searching for you while you were still distant. And in the same way, we should show love to those people too. And that's what Paul, the author of this passage, found. Paul is in prison as he writes this. If I was in prison, uh, the last thing I'd be thinking about is other people. I do some kind of, uh, you know, the beginning of the film where there's that record scratch with a freeze frame and they wonder, how did I get here? I, sorry. (laughs) Um, Paul is the only one in the prison 
that is free. He's miserable with the cold, the, the, the lack of uh, apparent freedom, the food, and yet he is truly free. He's thinking of others in this situation, and that's because humility changes how we see ourselves. Verse six to eight. What would you do if you won the lottery tomorrow? I think, uh, I see this check, the, the big total by the checkout, I think it was like 13 million or something. Like what, what would you do with that amount of money? Some kind of house, uh, you maybe buy a fancy car, uh, you maybe look after your family. But what you're really asking when, you, when it comes down to it is what would you do if you had complete authority over your time and your money? Jesus had won the lottery. He was equal to the Father. Whatever he asked for, he would get. And yet, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, Jesus was willing to give up all of his glory and humble himself to die embarrassingly. What would our lives look like if we were willing to do that as well? Paul warns against the dangers of selfish ambition, this idea that if we work hard, that we will get the benefits. If I put in more hours at work, then uh, I'll get, um, my career will advance. If I um, post loads of pictures on social media, then I'll get loads of followers. If I try hard, I will do better. This hustle culture is so tempting. It's so prevalent, and yet Jesus came to dismantle this mentality completely. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus didn't work a 60-hour week. He didn't try and build some property empire. Jesus came to serve. We too should see ourselves as servants to those around us. One of the things that Jesus does is he says, let me wash your feet. This is normally done by the sort of the servant of the household. You know, everyone was wearing sandals back in the day. Your feet would get kind of grim from walking around and uh, you take your shoes off when you come into the house. Uh, the servant washes your feet, right? Jesus, this high king comes and he washes their feet. It's embarrassing, Right? This high figure, equal to God himself, kneels down and cleans the dirt between their feet. He gives up all of his outward displays of being God. Tonight, what are you willing to give up to serve God? To a non-Christian, this idea of sacrificing your life sounds like a waste, right? But it is by these sacrifices that we reveal our own faith. Jesus himself considered his own life a sacrifice. John 12, 24 to 25 says this. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loses, sorry, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus was the perfect example of humility. 
In Isaiah 52, 2, it says about Jesus that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I'll be honest, if you wrote that about me in uh, my officially sanctioned biography, um, I would fire the writer immediately. I'd be livid. Like, come on, make a mention of my hat collection at least. Uh, but God thought that was enough to make it into the, like, important enough to make it into the Bible. I like to imagine this uh, video game style character creation screen with some sliders that you could toggle to choose what he looked like. Uh, here is one that I look like on Ed's phone. Um, I love that you updated it for the Movember as well. That's great. Uh, <laughs> blonde hair and a hat, that's basically me. Um, but to Jesus, he didn't choose something that was noteworthy or ridiculous or even important. Jesus does not consider your appearance as something that matters. I often feel conflicted when I don't look as cool or as uh, well-dressed as those around me. But to Jesus, appearance has never mattered. What matters is only what God thinks about you. You might be thinking, if I try and value others more and myself less, then how am I gonna get promoted? Do well at work. If people don't see the good things that I do, how am I gonna find a date? If I'm trying to build up my friends and not talk about myself. But 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. This is the best way we can live our lives. A friend of mine went to the wedding recently. Sorry, went to a wedding recently. Um, weddings for most people is the most happy day of their life they spend all of this money and time and invest this party which is just about them their celebration of their relationship their lives together and yet this couple decided that they didn't want to focus it on them they wanted to spend their wedding this one time that they get to focus on them and be selfish right on Jesus it's got my friend asking questions like, why would, you, why would you want to do this? If I can celebrate myself for once, why would I want to turn this to this God idea? So my friend asked them these questions and he started going on to their Bible study and by the grace of God, he was saved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus and in humility, we value others above ourselves, then lives are changed. Your humility can bring someone to Jesus. We were talking at youth one night about whether Christians are distinctive. For people to come to faith, you have to show people God's perfect love, and only then will people even be interested. Too often I feel like I, I dilute the gospel, the truth, because I want it to be accepted. But whenever Jesus spoke, he didn't dilute the gospel. He always spoke in love first, but he, then, but he always spoke in truth. I love walks because you can really connect. Uh, I used to live with a friend called Sam, and we used to go on walks every Sunday. Well, 
almost every Sunday from, uh, and over the course of about a year when we lived together, we walked all the way from Exeter down to Exmouth. It's about 10 to 13 miles. We did it over multiple weekends. We spent lots of time together um, talking, and once you get past the sort of two-hour mark in a conversation, you start asking the real questions. Who am I? Where do I come from? What's life all about? And so as my friend was going through the, the struggles of his life, he started asking, asking me questions about who I rely on. Why do I care about this Christianity thing? And yet I pointed to him to where I have my hope, which is in Jesus. No matter what you have done, Jesus loves you. And those truths that I was telling him means that he's now halfway through an alpha course. I'm not telling you this to say how great I am. I can tell you for a fact I'm not. But I am telling you this to show you that those small conversations with Jesus can lead people to faith. With the mindset of Jesus, every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're probably thinking that what you've said is, is quite nice, but how do we do this practically? One of the easiest ways of doing this is serving on a team. There are so many here at St. Matt's, and you immediately see your actions, uh, sorry, the impact of your actions. There's a, there's a little desk with the iPads um, if you're unsure about what teams to join. Does anyone else uh, have an irrational hatred of washing up? Um, as anyone in my small group will know, um, I hate it. Uh, I just refuse to do it. My sink is a, quite a, a pile. It's embarrassing, but uh, that, that's just me. Um, but uh, after youth, I, I don't mind doing it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about doing it for other people that means that it's so much easier and it gets done. Uh, I'd like to point out, I don't do it every week. This isn't just my job as the, the youth worker. <laughs> um, it doesn't feel like a job because I love the youth. We need this servant mindset that Jesus has. And if you have it, you will be rewarded. Your humility, your sacrifice, and your love will be seen. The Lord rewards those uh, who lift up the name of others. So what might that look like? This week, I challenge you to send an email to your boss and just say what a fantastic coworker you have and see what happens. In your conversations, listen and truly, deeply listen to the person talking to you. Leave the other person space to share what is truly on their heart. There is encouragement from being united with Christ. There is comfort from his love. There is tenderness and compassion. If I can be quite honest with you, this year has been hard for me. Um, I've lost uh, relationships and, uh, and family members, but there is comfort in Christ. Because we were first comforted by him, we were first truly loved you should go and love others in the same way that we were first loved. So I challenge you this week, as you go out and you meet with your friends, that you would put them first and you would love them. You would truly love them.
Shall we stand? If you guys are able, I would just love to pray with you this evening. Lord, I, I, I want to thank you for, for what you've done um, this evening. I pray that as we go out this week that we would think more of you and less of us. That you would call us to do big things, not in our name, but in yours. And that we would be distinctive as Christians and humble actively. We would listen to those around us and we would truly care and value those amongst us.